Hello and welcome to Sean White's Solar and Energy Storage Podcast. This week we have part three in a series of podcasts with Brian Hayden, who along with Duncan Miller is a co-founder of HeatSpring, a renewable energy online training platform. This week we learn how HeatSpring came to be by two MBA candidates from a Boston-based Babson College's entrepreneur program after they tried to get renewable energy educated in order to become integrators and were not satisfied by the training out there. So instead of becoming integrators, they started doing renewable energy training themselves. And their recipe was to find the best instructors who are subject matter experts that also like to teach and perhaps have written some books. HeatSpring has been a success story. We also discuss in this episode Grid Alternatives, which is an organization that complements online solar training very well and is often described as the Habitat for Humanity for Solar, where people, including our students, can get free hands-on experience installing solar on real houses. And at the same time, they get that feel-good feeling for helping people in need get away from underneath their monthly electricity bills. To learn more about Sean White or his classes, go to solarshawn.com. That's solar, S-E-A-N, dot com. On with the show. So you and Duncan, the other co-founder of HeatSpring, did you get to you guys met at Boston University? Close. We met Uh, at Babson College, which is a small school in Wellesley, Massachusetts. And it is known for one thing and one thing only, which is entrepreneurship. It's always like the number one ranked entrepreneurship school by U.S. News and World Report. I didn't really want to go get an MBA, but when my wife uh, decided she was going to go back to school, the Boston area just has so many schools. And I was like, well, I I don't need an MBA, but I certainly would like to go to Babson and spend a year there. So that's what I did. Does Duncan also have an MBA? Yep. That's where we met in the MBA program at Babson College. It was a one-year program. That's what I've heard a lot of times is the good MBA programs. You make connections. That's the most important thing. No doubt. Yeah. Between the lectures and the professors we had, the other people in class, just having the time and space to think about what you want to do and explore it. I think that's the real value of, of school for me. And so just a little bit about Duncan, since you have actually met him in person. Well, I actually met him in person one time too. And Duncan's over in Portland and he's a computer programmer too. Yeah, Duncan is, his background is business and finance. He grew up working in a funeral home. His parents ran a funeral home. So Duncan has a really interesting stories about that. And he was a sort of a accountant, consultant, finance guy. And he's just a really smart, methodical, thoughtful person. And he compliments me in, in a lot of ways. And I value him more and more as I get older and work with more people, the more I realize how special it is to have found someone that compliments you so well. And as we began to go down the road of teaching online more, and as more and more was happening online and computers, we were just spending so much money on development. So we made a really tough call. Duncan took six months off of working on the business and got paid to go to school to learn to be a computer programmer. And It was probably the best investment the business ever made. Most small organizations like ours could never afford somebody like what Duncan can do. If you can code, you can get a job pretty much anywhere you want. And so to be be able to- I spend a lot of time in Silicon Valley and I know that you can get a a lousy apartment for a million bucks. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. So to, to have that capability in-house and not have to pay a consultant for it has been a huge advantage. And, you know, it's allowed us to do some cool things with the business that we couldn't have afforded to do otherwise. Mm-hmm. That's great. So one of the things I was thinking about asking about was the other instructor. So I know that what I do and I teach my classes and I promote my classes. I'm an affiliate. So I also promote other people's classes at HeatSpring, but I don't know too much about that. Maybe we could explain what the affiliate program is too. But as far as the other people, what they do, I know Ryan Mayfield, like I've worked together with him on other things and he's a real nice guy and he teaches the megawatt design course, but I don't know too much if anything, about the other guys, except for what I see on the HeatSpring website. So I guess it's probably a similar thing that one of you guys called them up and say, hey, you want to teach a class? Yeah, it is. Finding a great instructor is really hard because you have to be good at a lot of things. You've got to be a subject matter expert. You've got to be someone who likes teaching. You've got to have the availability to teach. It's a really hard skill set to kind of piece together. So you're kind of like a unicorn, Sean. Um, (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, I've noticed, though, that some of the smartest people out there that know the most are terrible instructors. Yeah, it's hard to understand this. (laughs) Yeah, when you when you know everything, it's hard to relate to the people who don't. So equals MC squared. Duh. Yeah. So uh, meeting and talking to and getting to know the instructors is probably my favorite part of the job. It's something that I miss a lot from doing the live trainings because it's like you say, it's harder to get to know people uh, when you're not having a beer with them or going out to dinner after a long day of training. So I do miss some of those great stories, but all the instructors that you see on the HeatSpring page are just super interesting people. The fact that they have that subject matter expertise, that they're interested in training, that they put up with me and sort of the way we work, you know, it's a special kind of person. And so they all, I can tell you, have really cool, interesting stories about themselves. And it'd be fun to maybe have some of them on and have them tell their stories. I met Ryan at the yeah. IREC Standards Committee. I was on the IREC Standards Committee for a couple of years, and we met in Boston at one of the IREC Standard Committee meetings. And I made a presentation on online learning, and I kind of got a lot of blank stares. This was before, you know, this was at a time when everyone said, well, you can't learn solar online because... You have to be on the roof. And I agree that there are parts of the job you cannot learn online. You know, there's no substitute for experience, but I was making the case that there's so much you can do online. And afterward, I wasn't sure if anybody thought that what I said made any sense. And afterward, Ryan reached out to me and that's how we met. And he said, you know, I do think that there are some things that we could do really well online. And that's what led to his megawatt design class. Yeah. And you know, another thing that what for the hands-on training, it's like grid alternatives. If anybody can do grid alternatives, I even have some students that have even taken my live classes and don't even live anywhere near a grid office. And they'll take an airplane and go do installs for grid alternatives. It's free. You're helping out people and you get great hands-on experience. So it's very complimentary to what we're doing. Yeah. Tell me more about grid alternatives. I know a little bit. How does it work? And that sounds like an incredible model, actually. So grid alternatives is sort of like the habitat for humanity for solar. They're very successful. They're a nonprofit. They get grants and things like that to do solar. And it's a lot of it has to do with low income neighborhoods. They have approximately 10 offices around the United States. And it's kind of funny. I live right near their headquarters in Oakland, but I'm 
a lot closer to their office in Washington, D.C., because they have me go out there twice a year and do trainings. The first time I ran into Grid Alternatives, I was hired by Solar Living Institute. They're a solar institution that's been around. In fact, the guy that started it is one of the guys that may have sold the first ever solar module, John Schaefer. But they hired me to go teach 20 or so grid interns in a yurt. <laughs> and so it was the best class I ever had. I just loved it. And I, after that, I said, when I retire, I want to be a grid intern. So they're just great people, great energy. And everybody that I've ever met there is just a great person. And you can go on their website. You can sign up. They give you some in-person training on safety and things like that. And then once you've got past the in-person training on safety and all that kind of stuff, they will take you up on a roof and you'll do a solar installation. We've tried to even use that model in some of the live classes that I've done. I've worked for a lot of different places doing live classes. And it's just never worked because of insurance purposes and things like that. And so somehow Grid Alternatives has made it work. Sometimes they will even be the one that distributes money for different programs in California. They do a lot of things with Native Americans and they do things with people who don't have a lot of money. One of the things that they say about solar, especially in the past, it's so expensive, even though there's all those rebates out there, it's only going on homeowners' houses and you got to be rich to have a house, especially here in the Bay Area. So solar was something that was for rich people and it was unfair. You would get people outside of the solar industry saying that solar was unfair because it was for rich people. So grid has been out there changing that also, making solar a big benefit for people that are not rich. Is it easy or hard if you want to volunteer for a grid installation? Is it hard to get staffed on one of those? Like, is there a waiting list or, you know, how is the capacity versus the demand synced up? I think like with anything, if you're a go-getter, you'll make it happen. I mean, there's like no doubt about it that you'll make it happen if you're a go-getter. I have a student that actually goes to the University of Michigan that she took my classes a while ago. I was just looking at your LinkedIn page and I was thinking how to introduce you to her. She's a go-getter. There's no grid office in Michigan. So she jumped on an airplane and came out and found a grid office. And I even saw her out here in Oakland doing some work for grid. Shout out to Alexis Thompson. <laughs> so if somebody wants to make it happen, they'll make it happen. I know that in California, where I live in the Bay Area, there have been in the past waiting lists. So sometimes you have to wait. I'm not sure mm -hmm. you know, if there's a waiting list situation going on right now. But if somebody wants to do it, they might have to wait or they would have to travel. So like I said, too, in the Bay Area here, you know, it's a million dollar house is cheap. So what people would do sometimes is they would go up the North Coast and go on a drive and go do an installation up there. If there was a, a need for more folks, I feel like we could get a lot of people excited to go do that. That would be yeah. a fun project. Great alternative is really cool. And I know for the interns, we have a program where we discount classes. Mm -hmm. So but he's an intern out there, get, let us know and we'll give you a good deal. Yep. Great. Yeah, it would be kind of neat to have a closer working relationship with them. Then we could donate money to them. Yeah, that, that would be really cool. Sounds great. Thanks for listening to Sean White interview Brian Hayden, the co-founder of HeatSpring, which is the premier online renewable energy training platform. To find out more, go to solarsean.com. See you next week.